Hello, everybody. This is Tiffany. What's up? This is Ariel. And this is episode... 23, baby! Hey, doing work. Move it, move it. Hey, hey. I slightly forgot, because we missed y'all. We definitely I just want y'all to know my life was in shambles, and... Life is happening, y'all. Listen, I had to grab a shovel, <laughs> scoop that thing up, put it in a box. Y'all can't see her digging this hole, but I had to scoop this thing up, put it in the box, tie a a pretty bowl. You know how you just pick up your mess, put it in the box, you put a, you cover it up, and then you put a bowl on it, and you act like it really ain't just a bunch of old receipts in that box, (laughs) and a lot of, you know, Dollar Tree. But what about when you didn't know you had that mess? Like you've been here in the path, and you like, where did this mess get here? Let me tell you. I need a shovel. I had to go back. It was in the trunk. What do you... Like, I pulled that away for the winter. I didn't think it was time. I didn't think it was time. I had to go buy a shovel. Right. Let me just tell you. I didn't even have a shovel in the trunk. I was like... It's like when it's raining and... You got an umbrella, but you inside of your job, but your umbrella in your car. And you like... Now, this is this is a quite interesting situation. And what I mean, it's on coming you. down. <laughs> like, and... You got on flip-flops. I was about to say that, because I cannot stand it. Don't get And not me. good flip-flops. The like, the one, like, cheap one that run, gonna, mm, yep, it's going to pop. Mm, and then you're going to fall in the middle of the street, and that's going to be a tragedy. Mm. Listen, my life was an old flip-flop, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and it was raining. <laughs> but I just want you to know... It didn't even have no grip on the bottom. Listen, it was worn. It's just a uh, slide. Ooh. Like a skate. Mm. You hear me? I was on an ice skating rink. But this is why it's important to keep good people around you. This is why it's important Fact. to um, be humble. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's important to not be afraid to ask for help. Mm. And I definitely had to ask for help. I had to humble myself. But I also had the ability to... The huh, what is happening right now? <laughs> See, I had the ability mm-hmm. to ask the right people for help, right, to get me in the space that I needed to be in, and I'm back in this thing, y'all. But let me tell you, perspective is is a mofo, and mm-hmm. clarity is key. So I am crystal clear. On a lot of different things right Mm -hmm. now that will definitely come up in a different podcast. Mm -hmm. And I am very clear on how I need to move forward in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And that the perspective that I had um, was... um, My perspective came from comfort and familiarity. And I had to get out of a comfort zone forcefully. Mm-hmm. And I had to understand that just because you're familiar with something mm. or just because you're familiar with someone about to say a word. Mm. does not mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you just get my it. church fan. I need it. Listen, because mm. we're offering plates. We'll be going around. <laughs> Okay, in a minute. Don't mean not a thing. I'm gonna ask you to put your money in the in the bucket. Okay. The, we don't mind the, the monetary kind. value is zero. Listen, we don't mind the kind that jingles, but we prefer the kind that folds. Mm-hmm. Okay, put it in the plate. That's and now, I'm like, yo, 
I'm 38 and we just now getting here. But like I told hey, y'all before, well, we don't work by any means necessary. <laughs> but I'm here though. Boom. So you know, let just me just say out. how proud I am, y'all, of this woman because she just went into the mall to do work and. It's very easy when you're put in situations that you're not familiar to be in to just kind of toss your hands up and be like, you know what I'm not going to do? This. None of it. <laughs> we was a millisecond away from that. Let me just tell you. It was, it was a millisecond. Um, so close. So every close. time she even shares things that she deals with, she's feeling, I just... I feel honored because I know there was a point in time that would have never happened ever. And she just would be doing it on her own. And I think the growth of you understanding that, um, handling it isn't always only the action is that, um, that mental spirit part of mm-hmm. going through something too yes, now. So that, um, I may not have been a resolution, <laughs> right? But I think in you sharing, knowing, hey, someone, I, let me not just internalize this. Hold it in. Keep it you there. you know I would. Oh. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to put it in the atmosphere. I'm going to vent about it. I'm going to get it out. And every time that that happens, I see um, the level of growth. Let me let me explain to y'all what our dynamics is besides this dynamic. The, this woman's my lifeline, okay? <laughs> so, I discover often that I don't like people <laughs> in a way I used to. Yo, almost every day around 5 o'clock, mm. she calls me and says, I don't like people. Mm-mm. Almost every day, y'all. Almost. Almost. Close. But the interesting part is when she says that, I go, me neither. Right. So, <laughs> She's like, I've been here. I've been here. Wait, I got whoa. snacks, popcorn. <laughs> brought popcorn. I got some fruit <laughs> that I cut up. What you need? I got water. And I had to <laughs> respectfully allow myself to deal with the world without my lifeline. <laughs> oh, you so silly. <laughs> Can you tell them about the screen when I talk to you? <laughs> so... It was about a week. Mm-hmm. I needed a week to get my life to literally, y'all. Mm-hmm. I needed a week to get my life together. And I am very available mm-hmm. for my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, it's so interesting because when I don't answer my phone, everybody goes into panic. Like, mm-hmm. are you kidnapped? Were you in a car accident? <laughs> like, is your phone broke? Like, what's happening? I don't understand. Somebody needs to explain something to me. And I'm all like, I was asleep. But <laughs> thank right. you for putting out an APB on me. <laughs> so when she finally called me, once I was receiving phone calls, because I wasn't receiving phone calls or text messages very well mm-hmm. at that time. Um, I, sometimes I have to get quiet and silence everything around me so that I can think and so that I can focus and, and problem solve. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of times when I problem solve for people, I can talk it out with them. But when I problem solve for me, I definitely have to get quiet and I have to like write stuff down mm-hmm. and pray. And that's what I was doing. So when she called me and I answered the phone, the holler hmm. on the phone. Ah! <laughs> We're back in this thing. Ah, my God. 
it was so funny. I was at work trying to not <laughs> bust up. It was so y'all just had to have here, but the it was first of all, you need to get you somebody that is that excited <laughs> to talk to you when you haven't talked to them in a few days. Mm. Like you need somebody that values you that way. Cause I value her like that. Like when we talk, I definitely be like, hey, turn up, turn up, whatever, boo, hey. Like we do a whole dance every time we get on the phone. As if we don't talk six times <laughs> to twelve times a day. Each time I answer the phone, it's like, what up, boo? Right. It's never like a what you want. Right. It's always a so what are we gonna talk about now? And see, I think that's why, you know, I knew that that's what you needed. I just didn't like it. <laughs> um, but I knew that's what was happening. So I had to, you know, have these pep talks in myself like Soon and very soon. Things are, <laughs> soon and very soon. Things are going to change. <laughs> so petty. And then she answered the phone. And I'm telling you, I literally felt like I had been holding my breath <laughs> for seven days. And then I was like, <gasps> hey, hallelujah. Jesus but it was so real. funny because as soon as we started talking, you were like, you good? Cool. So let me tell you what's been going on for these past seven days while you've been missing and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I was like, my word. What? Devil's what? out here busy. Oh, he's multitasking. He's he's calling. He's phoning a friend. When we talk about trash, he is Side a trash note. compactor. Okay. I'm, def- <laughs> I'm definitely chewing gum and I believe that I just smacked four times. Oh, you did? So if you guys heard that, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm super, I'm super proud of that. Cause I think that type of growth is important. And sometimes we don't see it when we're doing it and we've gotten to that next level. Mm-hmm. But, um, every time you do it, I'd be like, there was a point in time I wouldn't have known none of this. None of it. And I, and I humbly am grateful every time. And I, I feel like I'm, I, I generally, I'm like that with all my friends. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recognize when, um, this didn't have to happen. I think that's important with anyone you love and care about is to retain a certain level of humility yes. instead of, um, entitlement of what you're supposed to get. Just yes. humbled because, you know, we forget sometimes that we have access to doors that everyone doesn't see. Correct. And, but we don't always respect that access. Mm-hmm. And, um, listen, she gave, here's the thing too. Look how efficient she is. I knew the time frame. Mm-hmm. And like clockwork, like my text message came on. Listen, I was like halfway to sleep. One, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're so petty. We got action. You know? <laughs> we got action. We got action. But look, once I figured out what I needed to do, I had to update everybody. Right. Because I was quiet from everybody. Literally. Like, okay, so a lot of people know this, but since y'all are my extended family, I will share a little tidbit about myself. Y'all greedy though. I'm not telling y'all everything <laughs> about my life. But I'm giving y'all a little something. A little taste. So I go, we've talked about this before, and I do fast, and I do uh, fast from social media, and I do food fast, and Mm -hmm. liquid fast, and whatever, but whenever I do, I get quiet. Um, What I know about me, once I started building my relationship with God, is that um, I have to get quiet to be able to hear God, 
and to be able to um, process and problem solve. I didn't realize that that's what made me anxious. That's what gave me anxiety and that's what gave me panic because I would be trying to problem solve. And while I was trying to problem solve, I was also trying to continue with life. Mm-hmm. And I I am not one of those. Like, there are some people who do it and right. they kill it. Right. Me, I'm one of those. Now, I can do it for somebody else's life. Like, I can be in the throes of it and be like, all right, this is what we're going to do. X, Y, and Z. Let's figure it out. I've helped many of my friends in the midst of it. When it comes to it being on my plate, whoa, child. <laughs> So we're not going to walk and chew his gum at the same time. That's what we're not going to do. It's turned from uh, one of those heavy-duty paper plates to that dollar, hey, dollar store. I uh, told my best friend, we just had this conversation. She made a post on her Facebook page. I said, my paper plate is fragile. Don't you add another scoop of potato salad. Mm-mm. Don't you add no spaghetti. I can't get no greens, not a piece of chicken, nothing. I have literally... No more give in this plate. Mm-mm. You add a grape on here. It's everything in. is going to hit the flow. Mm-hmm. This, this, this not styrofoam. This one of those paper plates and it's soaking through. Yeah. It's soft. Like your hands under it and you feel what's it's on wet. top. It's mm-hmm. wet. Absolutely. Yep. It's soggy. One of them. My paper plate <laughs> is, is, is almost in shambles. But I know if I just focus and walk to the table and sit down. I'm going to be fine. And that's what I had to learn about myself is that you're not weak because you can't do it all at one time. Mm-hmm. You're not um, any less of a woman or, or this strong, independent woman thing that everybody has just because you need to focus on what the task is at hand so that you can cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Like I needed to cross my T's and dot my I's and I knew I couldn't do it and fake conversation with people because I was focused on something else in my mind 400 things are going through my head okay what are we gonna do you're gonna right. do this you're gonna do that okay well what if this doesn't because you got to have an a b c and d mm-hmm. I was like I was like plan a plan b plan <laughs> c and a plan d like I had to have and I can't do that and kiki ki and ha 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 and you can't exercise giving yourself grace when you're so in the mode of getting everything done. Yes. Because I think that's where we forget and we get zoned in and it has the ability to take us out because while we're so busy trying to do do everything, right? anything that doesn't align while you're trying to do do everything mm-hmm. can mentally wipe you out because you... Clean take you out of Because you boy. forget to have enough patience which is to plan, mm-hmm. but allow it to work out. Absolutely. And when you in it, and then you talk to other people and their opinions too, and then it, nope, not so going to do it. <laughs> Don't want to, and no. Anything else? No to that too. All right, keep it moving. Like my no is is listen. This no game I got these days is strong. We'll talk about that on another episode too. There's so much to tell you guys about. I have so much going on. So I am getting my three-year-old ready to go to somebody's school next week, and it is exciting. Listen, because he's a G. He's literally, like, the smartest person ever. No, he's so smart, but so independent for three. Like, there's so much stuff you can't do. Like, he can't go fix himself a sandwich. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but he can definitely not talk to anybody probably in that classroom and mind his own business where he probably would look at the teacher like go over there with them what I don't want to do it. And I'm a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? I'm He's going to say, so here's the thing. No. No. Not going to do it. Good talk. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm excited. I really like the school. I'm super nervous. Um, he is not fully body trained. He can read a sight word book to you in a second. He can identify number words up to 20 at 3. You know what I'm saying? Like, he out here that potty though like but he might be on his sock i'm just saying you know what i'm saying it's just not it depends on the day minor thing to a boss you know what i'm saying hey 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 you better tell him first of all google me look me up but i am excited for school to be back in so oh man let me tell you something I was excited until I remembered that when my son is in school, I have to wake up at 6 a.m. Ah. But when my son is not in school, I wake up at 8.30 Oh, that's so different. And let me tell you, let me tell you, these first two weeks. <laughs> let me give you some perspectives, though. We're a doozy. Let me give you some perspective. He's just keeping you on your own goal of waking up earlier. As you had been anticipating for yourself, for the effectiveness of you being productive and intentional in your day, so he just got you right back aligned. First of all, close your mouth. Okay, well, hey, no, <laughs> nobody, nobody over here asked for that. <laughs> nobody over here, and by nobody I mean me. Right, absolutely nobody. Me, okay. The name tag says me. The name tag says it. First of all, second of all, I know that. All right, okay. But third of all. I don't like it. <laughs> you have that right. I don't, don't like, like it. it. But let me tell you what else has been happening. My body was like, oh, we back on our 6 o'clock game. You going to get woke up at 530 before the alarm goes right? off. <gasps> the nerve. <laughs> the nerve. Literally, I got 30 more of these. And my body was like, nah, fam, you don't, you don't need, need those. You don't need it. Definitely not. Rise and shine. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> She's still sleepy. No, not really. If you got up out of bed, you wouldn't be sleepy. But I don't want to. But now, we're going to make you have to pee. Right. And now here we... Oh, we're up. Look at... Magically, 8.37 and we up. Look at mm. you walking to the bathroom. I don't like any of you. <laughs> I'm not... You're not a fan. Fine. So, I don't like it. So that... I mean... You know what, my three-year-old is, um, he's always up before, like, he, you know, he hasn't got it, the sleep-in thing yet. Um, yeah, but, so that's never been a vacation, but it is going to be some adjusting and some things to figure out, and because I am learning where I have to let go, the amount of things that I should have together that I don't know, and I have to just be okay with not having it together. Like, people ask me questions like, so how's that going to work? Getting to work and doing... I don't know. First of all... We'll find out. Mind your business and drink your water. Listen, we will find out. At the you same don't, time. You don't... Th I don't know. We will find out. Is this conversation because you're offering a service that I don't Listen. Because if this is just to be inquisitive, I don't, don't have it. You. I don't got it. <laughs> what it... What it how else can I say it? I don't got it. No is no in multiple languages. <laughs> I don't have it. You so. have a good point. It is. It multiple is. Multiple language knows me no. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that 
<laughs> it's very effective. Yes. <laughs> you should understand me. Um, and that's where I said what I said comes from. <laughs> because I did. Um, That's been happening... So that's kind of been my focus of life is getting back to school geared up. Um, this week I had, I don't even know how to describe this. I'll, unexpected is a word, an, an unexpected, um, like delightful yet challenging encounter with my niece so I have a niece that's going into high school and um I've always looked at her like she sure she's me like I didn't have her <laughs> she's me like for however this happened in life like slightly and looks in certain ways she says things and I'm like yep that's probably what it looked like when I was there <laughs> yep Yep, I get it. I don't, seems like nobody else gets it in but a I, Oh, but I see it. I understand. Um, and I found out um, that she has been having a hard time. Like, adjusting changes, just life. She's been having a hard time. And I happen to be in a situation that um, just casual conversation about high school and her feelings just turned into this outpour that was startling. Like I've never been in a situation before where kind of like I gasped without gasping mm -hmm. or like, <gasps> but <sighs> that was a different type of emotional tough right. to listen to mm -hmm. um, her struggles. And mainly because I identified. I I knew exactly what I was listening to, and I knew how similar it was, and um, it scared me a little bit, and it scared me, and then it also had me immediately like, I have this thing that I've felt that part of my struggles with my own mental health, my own figuring out myself, um could serve in some purpose towards kids or youth or wanting to help be a part of ways to give kids the opportunity to share their feelings or different things. And then I felt like right at that moment, God was like, so you thought it was going to look a certain way. <laughs> Jokes on you. Because your test is always part of your testimony, but you don't get to decide what it looks like. Listen, Yeah. Sure, sure, that's what you thought. Oh, you thought it was, like, going to be a bunch of random youth that you didn't know that wouldn't make you cry on... Oh, <laughs> you thought you were just going to do... You you saw this in a public speaking type of way, huh? You thought you were just going to sit, and then, oh, nah. Hey, but, you know, here's the thing. That could possibly be Maybe. true. Not this week, though. Not this week. Not this week. No. Maybe next week mm -hmm. or next year but this here august today on this here today you're gonna get started you're gonna get that <laughs> you're gonna get this work it's time to start it's time to start today so i feel like you know those times you have those conversations with yourself of things you want to do or like goals but you've pinpointed when it's going to happen like correct when when i move when i get to this point mm -hmm. and then once once I've launched that business, what I'm going to come back to is get into that bag. Mm -hmm. 
She's like, this week, player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. Well, well, let me pull my hair up and tighten up my belt. Well, <laughs> today? Grab, can I grab a water bottle before I run or no? <laughs> he he said, what? quickly. <laughs> quickly. Hurry up. Hurry up. So, we already in this. So that made me, um, like I I was expressing, it It sent me on a very reflective journey. And um, I spoke to Ariel and I was like, so I, like I did before around, um, when I was like, so I guess we're going to have to share a little more today. I guess we're going to have to share a little more. Um, it seems as such. I understand. <laughs> I, I understand. Ew. So I felt like I wanted to kind of share why um the conversation with her was so tough for me and even in it being tough and i recognize it myself in the past it would have been tough in a way like i would have had to sit down mm-hmm. um <laughs> and give or take what sitting down would have done with processing would have been a raffle because it could have sat down and dwelled mm-hmm. or sat down and shut down correct or, correct correct um but i had to kind of Keep going and recognize um, the importance it was ringing out to me and why it was, you know, affecting me the way it was. Um, So I wanted to share my journey with my own battles and struggles and struggling with myself and I wanted to let you guys in and be a little transparent on my journey. Ooh. Yes! I'm booing transparency because transparency is a is it's, something. It, here's the thing about transparency. It is powerful. Mm-hmm. But not only is it powerful, it is scary as ever. <laughs> but necessary. Right. And unfortunately, the only way to figure out um, how scary or traumatic it's going to be is to do it. Right. So you got to walk through it. Right. So here's the walking through part right. to the when I was transparent or whenever I'm transparent mm-hmm. afterwards. I literally feel so dope because it's kind of, you know what it is? Remember on 8 Mile when mm-hmm. <laughs> Eminem pretty much put all his business out there? Yep. And then he was like, all right, so now what? What you going to do now? What you going to do now? Mm-hmm. And when you're transparent and you put it out there, literally there's no punch that can hurt you. Right. There's nothing that anybody or anything can do because you're kind of like, yeah, I already did that. So. Right. Now what? Mm. Oh, yeah, I did that too. Oh, ooh, that was last week. You're late. I did that last right, week. Right, right. It, it, it's such a freeing thing. It's actually in it or walking up to it mm-hmm. that is scary. But once you've done it right, and you take that right, deep right. breath and it's out there, you feel like, I should have been doing that. Right. It's it could have, I could have been done that. And, right. and it feels so freeing and, and refreshing 
that that's when you recognize how necessary that it mm-hmm. was and that the fear that you have because it's literally a fear of rejection or right. a fear of an attack of a person attacking or it, shame your or own sh- shame and listen and sh- let's put it in 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 sequence shame would be number one right. <laughs> shame and then fear right like and, and in a salad together all the, listen Mixed with croutons mm. and shredded cheese and a boiled egg like all the deliciousness that you could think of in that thing and you looking at it like mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to do it <laughs> somebody's like it's good for you ah, here's the thing so I don't is, want it so is a granola bar <laughs> <laughs> I opt out I don't want to do it I'm going <laughs> to say no thank you what a smile so the my my disclaimer in sharing um the things I'm gonna share about myself is that um this is my journey. This is my view. This is my view of things and contributions that contributed to my struggles, um, and my intention in sharing something so close to my chest is for um opening a door uh, in a way that I think sometimes people struggle to identify when they're struggling and to be able to take my own observation. So I don't have planned out exactly all that I'm going to say and share. We're going to take this journey. But I do know um, my plan is to be very honest and transparent and to hopefully um effectively convey myself and get to the end without some tears that's gonna be great so if i can do that if i see it happening i'll crack a joke (laughs) here's the other thing there are people that are listening who have children yes and if you have children and you've never been in the space that tiffany is going to so candidly express Mm mm-hmm this will be something that you can use to look at as, and I don't want to say a template, but as a cheat sheet um, that may or may not help you in your situation, but at least you have the cheat sheet in your pocket. It's kind of like when a teacher gives a test and you like, maybe this is the answer to the test or maybe they changed the test. I don't know, but at least I got it in my pocket just in case. Put this in your pocket. So that if you see anything similar and you can't put your finger on it because this is not your life. Right. This is not what you've... I, right. I've never experienced anything like this. And just because you haven't experienced it doesn't give you the right to disqualify it for someone else. Right. I.e. your kid, your niece, your right. cousin, your sister, whoever. And you can't look at it and, and not... Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Right. So put it in your pocket for later um, and take it for what it is. It's just a little cheat sheet, a little nugget. Put it in your pocket. Take that gem with you. Right. So I would say um, my family dynamics, I grew up um, and I am, let me do the quick math, 14 years and 
14 and 11 years younger than my older brother and sister. So kind of growing up in my household, it felt like I was the only child, even though I wasn't the only child. No, no, that's right. Um, so I kind of just felt like my siblings were kind of like visiting, though they were my siblings <laughs> there. But it's... Oh, no, no, hey, those people back. Oh, yeah, they down there doing that. Um, I did not feel the warmest from my sister. <laughs> um, that energy was always seemingly a little cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother, I felt tolerated. Kind of like, I could, I could go in your room. I could sit there silently while you play the video game. Um, not that I really felt a lot warmer, but I think I, um, I sought that relationship in a different way with my brother too. And I think it was because it's where I had the most access outside of, you know, my, the relationship with my mom. Um, and as I know, but so because of that, I always kind of felt like outside looking in that I just, (laughs) I felt like the black sheep without having to be the black sheep. Like I felt like, I don't really get why this looks this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I always had questions. I always wanted to know why something was looking the way it was or what was going on. I was always inquisitive and not always necessarily asking, but very so always inquisitive. And I think um, that dynamics kind of what I got when I felt I would question things or wondered certain things. I grew up... And in my house, for the most time growing up, I never saw my mom and dad in the same room together. My dad would be in the basement and my mom would be upstairs. And that's kind of like blatant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see that? Right. But it was never discussed. Right. So it's like, what's, what's going on? But I, it seemed like don't nobody want to talk about this. So I guess I am not supposed to have a question. Right. I don't know. And I think that started to imprint how I felt I could deal with questions being answered or, you know, how I could perceive things or what could happen or how I could look at it. And when I began having those issues, those social issues at school, like, this person teased me or this will happen and my mom would be the person I would go to, she always had this very (laughs) religious... um, like, how can you believe in God and give this little girl that much power? And I'm like, I mean, in hindsight, however, she like 30 pounds bigger than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this fool said however. I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> it's other factors to consider why this is a little difficult for me, man. So are we running up or no? I, I, tell me. Um, give me a couple more notes in there. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Should I should I run or should I jab and pray later? Like, tell me how to handle this. What? I don't know. What? I'm all about the pray later. <laughs> um, and I got to the point where I know I very early learned to kind of segregate myself, and I started functioning in a way where kind of like, okay, well, this is how comfortable I could be with family, and this is how comfortable I could be with friends. And this is how comfortable I could be with my, like, real, real friends. And then this is, like, 
the in between tier. And then these are the like I started to like navigate myself to kind of not want to be problematic. Right. I didn't want to um rock the boat and start a problem. Right. You know, you like encounter those friends that it's like you you say how you feel about something and they kind of like, oh, who thinks that? Okay, so don't come. Okay, so that's not a widely accepted view. Okay, so I gotta <laughs> I gotta shift, keep that back, mm-hmm. go over here with it. Um, I don't really know why I always formatted into lack of confidence because I don't think um that like nothing besides feeling alone and like an only child would have you know, attached to, I guess, any type of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know, I kind of remember one of the more traumatic things that happened when I was younger that I remember is that my mom and my dad both lost close siblings to them around the same time. Okay. And I very, in this household that feelings were never talked about and you kind of couldn't talk about things, I saw them differently and now I have my brother not in the house and my sister's not in the house mm-hmm. and my brother was kicked out of the house which I had a certain resentment to my dad about that because I was like so the only person that kind of talked to me here you wanted him to go right okay cool we just gotta be okay with that okay cool great um and then I saw them lose sisters that were extremely close to them. And I had to experience in this house by myself of hearing my mom, like, sobbing in the bathtub. Right. But walking out in the face and kind of never talk about that. But, so what age are you saying that you... That's, like, 7th, 8th grade at that point. Okay, so you're, like, uh, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at the age of beginning to process and understand life. Right. Because my son's 13 and he over here processing life. So, yes. I, so I'm understanding yeah. that at that age, you're looking at these things Hi. going, so hmm. we could talk about it or I'm going to come up with my own. Listen, what, either one. Mm-hmm. You're going to see it. kind of put my pinky in the water, but we're going to figure it out. Right. Um, Or my dad would go to the garage a lot often or at times I... Uh, go to the garage or go out and see what he was doing in the garage because he was like out there for hours and he's wiping his face. Right. But we're not talking about that. Right. Um, and for me, I had a whole different experience on that. I didn't learn till later. That was different, but I had a whole different experience at that age than my brother and sister had because I had, I experienced my mom and dad having really hostile arguments. And I remember being older and they were like, mom and dad didn't argue. And I was like, who, who house was you in? Oh yeah, you weren't there. You know? And I think that part gets, um, lost. And sometimes it kind of just gets faulted or especially if you're an older sibling, you, you very easily can identify the parenting differences that your parents do to the younger siblings, but you're missing the life changes that they encountered. Right. For why they're the different version of themselves. Right. I mean, and it's kind of like noted, but you're kind of more like, you should be doing this, baby girl. When they lost that sister, (laughs) 
they were not the same person no more. Right. And not the, that they they're not they patience level is depleted. Ain't the same. There's right. certain things that we just don't have time for. Right. Um but I I had seizures when I was younger and um I know around that time I started writing a lot and I began to write because I spent so much time with myself that was kind of my activity so I would like write poems or I would kind of write um stories where I felt like I could kind of create a different environment and what I wrote about um like I tell my kids now like I used to play board games like with myself I know that's probably like lame but like I just want to know how does that work you switch positions Mm -hmm. So you was the boot and you was the car? Absolutely. And I'm like, you got this much money. And I was fairly like, it's your problem. What did you buy this? You You know, let's be fair. And then I was like, me A1, not me B. You know, that's how it worked. I mean, we didn't have tablets. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yo, that is interesting. Like, I guess, I mean, my son is the only child. Mm -hmm. So I guess... He also had to figure out what to do. And I've never seen him playing a board game right, by right. himself. But, I but guess he can play a video game by himself, see? And I don't... Right. And I didn't... I, I, I had video games too, but like... You Even know, when he was younger, though, I, I don't know what he did to entertain himself. Mm-hmm. Stuff like... I mean... Before the games. Right. But it was things that like... It was always certain part of me that I felt, first felt like I had to kind of like find my space in this space that never felt like my space because I always felt off or I always felt me having questions or what I would get back was wrong. I deemed it as wrong. Like, right. Or that I'm the weird one here. I'm off. Cause I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Nobody else is trying to figure out. something. So I right. guess it's just me. Just me. So let me just go over here with me. Cause clearly I'm the one off. It's me. Right. Um, after my brother, was out of the, I, I want to say that might have been around like sixth grade. Um, I had taken, I, I, I was taking medicine for being on seizures. Um, and I, they switched it to this Excel version, which was like an elapsed time frame, which means when you took it, it didn't release right away, it would oh. release later. Okay, it would release into your stream later. later. Right. Okay. But I started having um, issues with that. Um, And that part, too, used to make me feel insecure or weird because I knew I couldn't have caffeine like that because I had seizures. So I had to watch uh, caffeine or... Oh, caffeine is is tied to that? It's a trigger. Oh, okay. Okay. Caffeine is a trigger. Um, It's interesting because you drink coffee. Oh, man. You lucky you done... I'm emancipated. Because <laughs> you'd be in that up room. Listen. If uh, they said it's a trigger and you over here drinking... Uh, y'all oh. gonna have to find me... Well, they got caffeine-free pop. You gonna have to find me some caffeine-free coffee. And that's what you're gonna have to figure out. Really? They do have caffeine. Actually, a lot... There's a lot of sodas that are caffeine-free, which, which you find out. Which is also a reason, I think, why I prefer light pops. Because the, they're usually safer than mm. the darker pops. And okay. that's what I learned. Like, I could do a 7-Up all the time, so... Ginger ale, <laughs> orange crush. Run it. Give it to me. <laughs> Run me a ginger ale. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Um, couldn't get on the roller coasters. Mm. Um, certain, uh, couldn't be in the heat too long. Mm. Okay. Um, overheating would cause a trigger. Um, but for the most part, and for anybody who has a seizure or that ever had seizures or seen it, um, I don't know what my trigger is. You know, it was never that distinctive for me. Right. I just began to get, while getting older, recognize that when it was about to happen. Okay. And what feelings I would start to feel like. Yeah, this felt like something I felt before. And it was like a quick shutdown. I would kind of just try to make sure I was sitting down somewhere or would walk to a certain point and sit down. But anyway, I had this medicine that started having this reaction. And as I started getting older to get more independent, um, I started not taking my medicine the way, because I want, that was part of me wanting to feel normal. Uh, Um, so I wanted to know that I didn't have to take it to be normal. So I wouldn't take it on every time I was supposed to. And I would um, keep it. I would harbor it. And then I would think about it and be like, should I have taken it? Okay, I'm going to take it again for the next dose. But the problem is when it switched, now it was compounding. Right. And elapsing together, which was having advert reactions because an ex- ex- a big release that's mm-hmm. happening at a different point because it's delayed. Right. Um, I knew that I was not taking the medicine the way I was supposed to. Okay. Um, but I wasn't necessarily mistaking it as a, um, intent to hurt myself. Okay. But I did know that I was mistaking it and it was dangerous mm-hmm. and it could be dangerous. I knew that. And I think once I started seeing, um, what it could do, then it made me feel like I had some control. Mm-hmm. Control is a hell of a drug. And then I was like, Okay. And in going through the, the, the growing cycles and changes and things that were happening, um, I ended up, I think the week before my eighth grade graduation, the week around in, I ended up taking like two days worth of pill in one day. On purpose. On purpose. Knowing what the outcome would be. But not knowing what it really could be. Just like. Why not? Okay, but there had to be something in you that said, this can go bad. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. But you were okay. With it going bad. With it going bad. Yes. I knew that I was okay with it going bad, but not necessarily equating that as I'm trying to hurt myself. Hmm. Okay. Feeling like it wouldn't matter if it went bad. If it went bad, then it's supposed to go bad. But it's supposed to go bad because you're causing it to go bad. But that's... The way I saw it was like, 
I think more control focused was the way I was thinking. Like, like I said, when I saw that my actions can cause this reaction and okay, I'm a, you know, maybe it was that I was a little sick this before, a little loopy. Um, my mind was like, if you, but then it was like, a part of it was like, well, you weren't supposed to not be taking it too. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And then it was like, um, well, if it's bad, if it's going to be bad, um, then I guess to figure out. And I think that was just kind of a certain level of loneliness at that time. Well, how old were you at this time? This is eighth grade. This is when you're 13. Yeah. So at 13, you had such a strong sense of loneliness mm-hmm. that you were willing to take the chance of whatever would happen. Whatever was going to happen. Now, had you told anyone that you felt this way? Mm-mm. Had you came off? You know how you sometimes are I think, subtly... I think I... No, because I think the way the dynamics was, like I said, I think I was experiencing this different version of my parents, too, that... Um, I was as much of whatever a loner would have looked like as I had been. You mm-hmm. know, I was writing. I don't think I was writing anymore. I think I was more aggressive in my expression. I think that's where me and my mother started to have more conflicts or, you know, she would advise me. And I think that's where the dialogue of not being understood started around then around that time yeah or you know you you don't understand what i'm trying to say to you or you don't understand and i i didn't at that time know how to articulate all of what was bothering me or why it was bothering me and felt understood the underlining part but i definitely know those type of dialogues between us started around that time and nobody would have known okay like even the people that were my friends at school like they would have Never known, but that's also because I, I, I never wanted to really have to talk about me having seizures because I never wanted to get teased about it. And I would see how other kids would get teased if they had any type of issues mm-hmm. or, you yeah. know, different things. And I just would be hoping I never had a seizure at school. You know what I'm saying? So I never was sharing that part of myself. I, those two close friends I had in grade school, they would know because I spend the night at my friend's house and, and her mom makes sure that I have uh-huh. take the medicine and things like that. But besides that, I would never be talking about um, anything about me having seizures or taking medicine with anybody. So me taking them or not taking would never been a dialogue with anybody. Okay. And so when I did, um, my eighth grade dance, I remember saying I felt tired and wanted to nap before my mom took me to the beauty shop. I got my hair done. I went to sleep. So I thought I went to sleep and she painted my nails while I was asleep. And then she went to wake me up for the dance and I didn't wake up. Okay, so when you said you were tired, this was after you had taken the pills. Yeah, but it had been like, not that day or that day before. It had been like a day or two before that. So you took the pills a day or two before, before. the dance. Right. And you didn't tell anybody that you had did it. Mm-mm. 
And then your mom tried to wake you up, and she could, and you were not responsive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just remember waking up in the hospital, hearing them say to her, "She almost didn't make it." That's how you woke up. Yes, I heard. Like I wasn't. I could hear, but I. But you hadn't completely came right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Right. 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 And then I woke up. Then I felt a catheter, and I was like, "Things are happening." (laughs) (laughs) Hey, a catheter will do that. First time I was like, "Whoa, this is different." (laughs) Let me tell you. Um, and I ended up missing my eighth grade graduation too. Because of it. Yes. Okay. But I still never shared that journey of, you know. But when you say you never shared it, you mean with other people? Or did you talk, you never told anybody that you took the other field? Or did they just figure it out? No, they didn't figure it out. But you knew? Mm Mm-hmm. And what did the doctors assume it was that because it well because even before like even before I had done the skipping because the medicine I had before I would skip and take another dose or you know it would be a five okay she missed that one it just didn't work the same with this new medicine so doing what I had normally done was different with this medicine okay so then I would never be necessarily skipping a whole day and making up I might skip a dosage and come back and make it up. But that wasn't effective, even just the regular doses. So I remember even trying that. They were like, okay, don't do skips. And we don't do no skips. And we logged. And it was still kind of making me feel some way, just period, this elapsed version of this medicine. So I think it was just linked to that medicine not being effective for me. Okay. At that time, I didn't consider that me trying to hurt myself because of how it looked in your head yeah like I I feel like I was having a lot of normal situational um you know maybe not understanding yourself figuring out things that were normal but I think for me it was that I didn't I didn't know the gauge of how normal or not normal those type of thoughts were of what I was playing with, with the pills, like, oh, if I do this, I didn't know the scale of that because I had become so accustomed to not being able to share as I told myself Yes, that I never had anywhere to really bounce that off of because I was already anticipating that, well, I don't want to sound crazy. Mm -hmm. So, or the judgment. So I'm just keep that. And, and the scale of knowing, Hey, no, this is why that's not a good idea. Um, and even, you know, in hindsight, I get the tools she was using that she had. And like I said, my mom would always have kind of like a, a a religious approach to her advice, Mm -hmm. but at that age and lack of understanding of even that, it was like, um, you know, like, I feel like an older black woman, you say you feel lonely or feel worthless they're gonna be like it's nothing but the devil in hindsight yeah but for me today in practicality it doesn't help me (laughs) yeah and it's there's so many instances like that especially when it comes to kids because people 
excuse me, when they talk to kids will say stuff like, um, you ain't even had real life stuff happen yes, yet. Yes, right. To downplay or where you'll they are. understand later. Like I can't. Your life is not that tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I got real. I got bills and I got this and I mm-hmm. got that going on, and that could be true, Sharon, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the age of forty-two. But me at twelve, right, right now, this is my. Verse. This is real, right? And I think for me, I it. What I started to learn is that when I did feel like I would share my feelings, especially with my mom, um, they would kind of get flipped on me. So I would say, hey, I feel like this, or these moments make me feel this way. I would get things back at times like, well, if you think I, I, I've done nothing but try to be the best mom I could. If I'm not being the best mom, and I'm like, wait. What did I just say that equated to that? I don't know, but they must read from the same handbook. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing with moms, apparently. And and so that would, like, no, that's definitely not what I'm saying. Let me not say anything that's saying that, that I didn't think I was saying. For sure. So I'm not going to say. Nothing. I, I can't, I'm not going to say nothing. Can't really get into that bag with you. But at that time, honestly, truthfully, genuinely, she would have been the closest person I had to think I could share my feelings with. Right. To only kind of know that didn't work there. Correct. Um, I always felt a certain level of unconditional love with my dad, but I spent most of that time where that just wasn't the relationship or the dynamics to talk in that type of way. Meaning you talk to him about stuff, but not that. Yeah, we talk about music or like, <laughs> you know... Would you say you talked about more fluff stuff? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I always felt like he shared with me. Okay. In a real way. Like, but she kept yourself guarded. Right. Now, if, because if she made him mad, we was going to have a conversation about it. It was going to be a good car ride. (laughs) You said it's going to be a good car ride. Let me tell you something about that hussy. And then I'd be like, who? Who, daddy? (laughs) What you doing? (laughs) You said, who? I'm here for it. Let me turn the radio down. This was pre-loving hip-hop. I was here. What? What? <laughs> Give she, me all the trash. So how you feel about it? What did, what? What did it make you feel so like? So what did you say? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she said, what? The nerve. Right. Yeah, we had great conversations. But um, I, I, I recognize now that to be that age and kind of what I was feeling at that time, it was more innocent. Like, I would have never called that a suicide attempt, but I know how it was. And, and it's a slippery slope. Yeah, but I would have not called it that then. Okay. But I recognize now that, that that's, that's exactly what, what, what it, was. it was. Because I didn't do it, like, cause and effect. Like, you're going to do this, and then you're not going to wake up. That wasn't my mind. Correct. But what my mind was was that I didn't think I mattered, that whatever could happen was okay. Even if that, even if was that was an outcome. option, Got yes. That so is. then, yes, that is exactly what that is. Exactly. And I think you being able to now express it that way, a lot of people need to understand that if their kids are like, if it happens, it happens. But I mean, that's not what I'm looking, aiming for. That's still the it's same still the same thing. thing. It's the same and I thing. think a lot of times because it's a kid. And maybe if you have a vocal kid, when you're hearing stuff like, oh, if I was this person or 
I just do everything wrong or those type of things and how they can get minimized as dramatics or whatever, like attention seeking, right? You Mm -hmm. have to still know that it takes a certain level of how you view yourself that you make that fact. And sometimes maybe it didn't start as fact, but the repetitiveness of you expressing it and getting it overlooked, dismissed and minimized makes it become fact to you. Right. Like, well, yeah, I guess it really don't matter. <laughs> like, it, it really wouldn't matter. Not that you were maybe starting with that feeling, seeking to harm yourself. Right. But just feeling so undervalued mm-hmm. that when you don't have a certain support system of that, you start troubleshooting your own way of figuring out what that means to be holding that type of feeling. Listen, and whenever you start trying to figure it out on your own. It's terrible. Oh, child. <laughs> oh, child. Up until any age. Right. If you don't have the right tools. And then I think I got to, um, went to college and my dance team in college helped a lot as a, um, escape. And I think it's why it's severed, you know, cause I kind of started with this basis of friends who were close friends. And I think my activeness and my dance team that a lot of us experienced caused us to lose and shift with a lot of relationships because we were pouring so much into this, you know, into the time and the attention that it was getting. It was kind of like consuming everything. And, but it also was an escape. So when there were real tough moments for me to have to deal with, what I started learning as I got older, when I, I struggled to know what to do when I couldn't not face certain feelings. You know, like when now I have to deal with this, mm-hmm. it was a meltdown because you hadn't developed the the tools that you needed to be able no, to. No, just to not talk about it. Right. But then it's kind of like, no, this is kind of heavy. I kind of don't know what else to do. And I don't want to really be vulnerable and talk about it, but it's here. I don't know what to do. So you, ch- you opted to not talk about it with your friends. For the because most part, that was what you were used to. For the most part, okay. um, what I start think I started doing, in in college, you know, different relationships were forming because now, you know, I'm getting to the ideas of different type of boyfriends or you know male interests or the conversations about sex and different things like that or and liquor your, and your regular friends too. That's what I'm saying. Like, but you're exploring different things that's on my mind. Right. So then I'm learning different things I could be comfortable enough. Like maybe this has been my friend longer, but when I talk to her about my feelings about sex, like she kind of reacts kind of like a prude and I don't feel like I could really be candid with her. that comfortableness is So let me take that away. But then here I go and I meet this person and there's no judgment there if I say my feelings. And I started kind of trying to navigate which was... That maybe it wasn't that I wasn't okay. And that previous feeling of, well, maybe it's something wrong with you. It was like, okay, maybe it's not that it's something wrong with me. It's just I don't fit in every room. And I got to find which rooms are okay. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that became the, like, exploration until I got in a relationship with who became (laughs) my my daughter's uh, father. And I think that was such a, hmm, I don't know how to describe it, but I, 
I knew that wasn't a good decision from the beginning. And it kind of, to me, if I, and talking about it this way right now, it was as cognitive of a bad decision as taking those pills. This could be good. It could be bad. Let's see. (laughs) And literally, and that way I function my entire life. But for me, that was the only space I had control. Mm. That it was still a control thing. I get to choose this. I get to, I I, I kind of would free fall, like, I don't have a parachute. I could land in that water. I could hit that rock. I'm going to jump, but I get to jump. That mm-hmm. was the control. Yeah. I get to jump, though. But in reality, with you saying that, that's how a lot of people are, even when it comes to actually deciding about suicide. Mm-hmm. It's that control. Absolutely. Whether it's I jump off a bridge or I take these pills Absolutely. or I hang myself or I slip my wrist, whatever the reason is, I, I'm I contr- decided it. Because I can't maybe always control why I feel the way I feel about things. And the people around me and what they do. And, how they and react. how they treat me. But this... I can control. This I control. And so I went through... Um, what age is this? Twenty one. So this twenty, is... twenty, twenty, like nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Okay. Um, I knew it wasn't a good decision. Um, and when you kind of meet somebody that's like out of your league, like you kind of know, like when people say, "Kind," I don't know if you heard, like. It's not a game bag or anything, but I'm going to use this example. You know, like when people, like, you're kind of like, you're not street smart mm-hmm. when people make that type of statement. Yeah. I'm one street smart. Okay. <laughs> and okay. so I felt like he, um, I took this spiraling journey that getting out of it, I, I was able to deal with a lot of stuff with myself because I was forcing this to try to work that I had to, by getting out of it, look at some stuff about myself. But in it, I see, I saw like a lot of the stuff I had to face with the way I handled things with that similar to how I handle stuff with my family or friends of like, let me figure what parts of me work here. Right. And I never had to deal with that per se in a relationship form, but that happened then where it was like, okay, so if I do this is okay. And I don't want to say that because I don't want to get that reaction. And I don't know how to navigate this. And then when you have someone that's exemplifying so much negativity, well, I'm avoiding that because I've been so used to trying to adjust myself Mm -hmm. for what's right that I'm not really acknowledging what he's doing per se. That's not right. Just now. You just spoke a whole word to my soul. <laughs> this was the thing. I had to take a swig of water on that one. Um, it's a because, thing. listen. It's a thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And I, no, so I was in a space where I felt while trying to maintain the relationship I had with him and trying to still deal with that trigger from my mom of not feeling just not wanting to disappoint her or not even necessarily that I was always trying to not disappoint her just like felt like I was gonna always get it wrong some some even if I thought I was going right if I didn't do it quite right it was gonna be wrong um 
that I was faced in this position that I was really depressed. And while being with him, I, I isolated myself. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to my friends. I made sure ringtones didn't go off so there would not be an issue. I... <laughs> There's a listen. Damage control. Yeah. I just because try. Because you, you felt like if you could control that part. Then, then me and him would be okay if I can. And then it wouldn't flag or, or be a trigger for any of the things that you felt once. You, I'm air quoting you messed up. Right. I just didn't want to mess up. You just don't. Me- and don't. another. Speak to myself. Yeah. But, I don't want to mess up. So let me do everything I could. And then finding out that still didn't work. And I still and, but, upset But him. the crazy part is, it, it, it like you said, it transferred over from your family. Right. That let me not mess up. And, and in that aspect, we are very similar. I've always done whatever my family wanted me mm-hmm. to do. My brother, my dad, um, my sister's younger than me. So not so much my sister, but my brother and my dad, how they wanted me to function and who they thought I was supposed to be and how I was supposed yes. to be, behave mm-hmm. um, began to be my identity. Right. So even when it wasn't my identity, mm-hmm. it was my identity. Because you felt you had to try to keep up with it. And then um, one of the books that I talked about on here was Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I was recently listening to the audio book and there was this one part where he was given an example of how a woman um, was so concerned about the um, disappointed silence. Mm-hmm. And that's what he calls it. He says uh, that the lady in the session that he was having with her said that she could deal with a lot of things. What she could not deal with was the disappointed silence that her mother gave her mm-hmm. when she did not do something that her mother wanted her to do or felt was a better decision than what she had chose to do. Mm -hmm. And it was 45 seconds of silence that in that 45 seconds, you fill in the blank yourself. You can see her over there with the sad face. You can see her over there with the, 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 um, disappointment or the face of you let me down again. And to avoid that, you allow because this this is definitely a form of manipulation Mm -hmm. you allow that manipulation to alter what you know what you wanted to say how you wanted to stand in that space you change your dialogue you change your response you start juggling uh things like a circus act to be able to appease the person who you don't want to get the disappointed silence from absolutely whether it's a parent or it's a significant other and children Mm. receive that the most and sometimes it's not just the disappointed silence sometimes it's the disappointed look that you give your kid Mm -hmm. and then the verbiage that comes behind it Mm -hmm. or the disappointed silence and when you're dealing with your kid and you give them that as a trigger Mm -hmm. as they become older like in your situation it manifested Mm -hmm. itself in you and then grew with you Mm -hmm. And then rolled into your relationship. It kind of rolled into my decision making. Yeah. Because like even in school, I found myself 
in a situation where I wasn't doing that great, but I so did not want to go have the conversation that I'm not doing great. Right. Then I get to the point where I'm about to get kicked out because you wasn't doing great. Right. But had I had a conversation and talked about it. Probably could have picked that up. Probably could have changed how that went. But I just didn't want what could come from that. Because, that disappointed silence. Yeah. Or and and like to what you said, I think for mine, I always associated the issue came when I expressed feelings. Mm. More so even than what I do. My Hey, I'm trying to say this is how I felt about that. And it was kind of like, I don't get why that's what you feel. So, yeah, I don't got nothing to say about that. And when you kind of been working up this courage to even express that, and then you get that. It's yeah. like, I could have kept that to myself. I didn't, can we rewind? I don't want to give it. Let me take that back. I don't like it. And even in relationships is why I used to notoriously be the, I I was the, I'm going to text you a paragraph girl. Cause I can't deal with saying that. Like we can have the conversation after I get it all out in that text message. But if that's my first time saying it, and then you like, we got nothing oh that was heavy i can't do that That band-aid for you ripping it off was mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. but the problem is you know i think i had to deal with it even though it created hostility between my mom and me and that's where that definitely in high school you don't understand but i then just didn't want to feel that right and so when i got in that relationship form of that feeling it would produce panic. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't answering the phone, I was coming to his house. We have to. We have to talk. Like it, no, no, we no. <laughs> oh, you're not answering. Okay, so I'm about to go buy a card. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna, you know, let me do my hair. Let me look right. Let me do. I gotta fix this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could be rude. <laughs> vindictive, mean, but I would take it as a step further than that silence. Yes. So if he absolutely, oh, it he could be like, what? <laughs> what do you want? Woo, girl. Because let me tell you, about an hour ago, I want to get nothing. But we equate that as something. That is, uh, well, okay. Well, at least we're taking a step uh, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a better direction because you take. And I see my son do that to me sometimes mm-hmm. when he thinks I'm upset with him. He's... He'll put a tester question out there. Hey. <laughs> Mom, can I get some water? What? When do, do, what, what do you when? ask me? Have you ever had to ask? He's like, Mom, can I use toilet tissue when I go to the bathroom? I'm like, no <laughs> but But that's what kids do to mm-hmm. fill out testers and, and put out fillers to see if, are we okay? Are we okay? Without knowing that. You can say, are we okay? And I, and a lot of the times I feel like parents don't do the best job of um, aiding when you see that's what's happening. Right. You don't, we don't always do the best job of saying that maybe I need to help that language barrier of what they don't know what to say now. Right. Hey, we, hey, you know, you could be, you could ask me if I'm upset, you know, you, you know, or I'm not upset. Cause I know that's what you're trying to relate to. Let me. Cause you're my kid and I know you. And I know. So let's. So let's have that honest conversation or, you know, bridging that gap. But for me, um, I just didn't feel my feelings had a space, period. Right. And conflicted to where I was with feeling like I wasn't hitting the mark with him. 
I wasn't hitting the mark with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was tired and I didn't want to be here. And I was, I was, I was overwhelmed. And this is still at 21. Yeah. Okay. I was overwhelmed. And okay. I was like, and I felt that space. And, and I'm going to be honest. The truth was like, I felt tired of not being able to talk about how I felt. Okay. I felt tired of holding everything in. I felt tired of going into certain rooms and you. I felt tired of the double dutch of the, I don't know what works. Clearly I'm the common denominator that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm, I'm listen, I've given it what I got. Like, I don't know. And this came after a very, um, explosive argument with him it came after talking to my mom a couple of days ago and understandably so she wasn't in agreement of this relationship but right. as well as like decisions with school and stuff and i just didn't want to do it and he um he was visiting me at school he was staying with me and i didn't say anything to him because we had been into it and he had left and i was crying i was crying in bathtub and I was crying and I decided to take an entire pee- I took entire thing of Tylenol and drank vodka straight with the with the pills no 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 but yes with the pills but with the hopes that it would take me out take you out that was not it. So it had shifted from, if it happens, it happens. It has shifted from that Please. to, I, I want it, that to happen. I was praying. I remember praying that I just didn't want to feel what I was feeling. Like, I was tired of feeling so worthless. I'm tired of, <laughs> I'm tired of being the mess up. I am tired of not figuring it out. I'm tired of not getting it right. I'm tired. That's what I know I felt. And I was literally praying like, please, I want to stop this. Please just let me stop. I just want to stop. Just please, please. So after you took the pills, what was, because before you took the pills, this was your thought. Please, please. After you took the pill, what was your thought? This is what's about to happen. It's going, I didn't think it was going to happen like right away, mm-hmm. but it was like mentally, I felt like I can't turn back now. Like this is, we here. Yeah. This is like the countdown. I guess this is what's going to happen. And there was no regret no. after you, you still, no, you know like how... some probably like, Oh, let me try to throw it up or mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a piece. Like, it was a piece. Like, I don't know how this is going to work, but. But if it works how I think it's going to work, then I should be good. Yeah. I didn't really even think of what the avert to it not working was. Like, okay. I didn't even think about being sick or nothing. Like, I just was. And so when I started feeling sick, I was like, it's working. Mm. And you were still okay with it. I couldn't say nothing. But he had come back. 
to where you work. Right. Because we had had an argument and then he left and he was going to go back home. And then I ended up talking to him and he came back. And I, that's where I felt some way because I knew I was in his face and he didn't have no clue mm-hmm. that this had happened. So I was kind of like saying I didn't feel good. Some I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was sweating, felt terrible. He, I remember, because he asked my roommates to go get me, like, ginger ale and cold medicine. Um, and then I was like, I felt like, then I felt bad because I saw him trying to care for me. And so I felt like I had to tell him. Hmm. So it was instant regret. Once then, he was in your face. Yeah. Once you saw some type of care. Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting how we literally feel worthless and and bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. And one glimpse of care. Right. Or concern. What it can do. Literally. is Because had I probably been alone, you know, I don't even know if like my roommate was there or... I would have felt as compelled. I think it was this person that so I felt. Compassion. And, and this person that was, I felt so not enough for. Right. Now making you feel like you were I important. And yet you mattered just by saying, go get her a ginger ale. Yeah. Or he, I mean, he was like trying to care for me of sorts. And right. when I said it to him, I told him like, I have to tell you something. Can't say nothing. I'm like, can you come here? And um, I told him I took these pills. And he like had a shocked face. He was like, what? And he said again, what? And then he said nothing. He left out and he came back. He said, put your coat on. Because he had called a cab. To go mm, to the okay. Like, put your coat on. Now what? Put your coat on. Said nothing else. And then we got there to the hospital and I think I began to say, you know, they say, why are you here? And I was like, I've been throwing up something. And he looked at me like, why are you here? That was that shame. <laughs> right. And then I was you know, like, you know, I told them I took the pills and they rushed me. And I think the more of all of it, of all of it, because I've struggled with my relationship with my brother for so long that that's another can. Um, hours after my mom and my brother were in the hospital room. And I think that blew my mind more than anything. I was blown because you thought that it was just because I would have never thought in a state of emergency that my brother would have anything to do with being there. Mm. So I was confused because he was showing care. And in your mind, you don't care. So I don't know, I don't know what here. is happening right now. Yeah. I felt like I was in a twilight zone. Right. It almost was like, so it has to be this to for get you to get care. For you to get up and come over here? Oh, jeez. Wow. Now, here's the thing. 
What I have heard before is that some people would take when a person does do something like that as just attention seeking. Yes. And then when you said just now, oh, so it had to be this to get you here. Mm -hmm. You ever hear the chicks that are, you know, do won't answer her phone calls and she's right, right, right. Um, I was in a car accident. She really wasn't in a yeah, car accident. Yeah, she lies. She's lying. Oh, you know, it, it's... But the it's same people like who lie seeking. to say they're pregnant when they're not pregnant. And they're really not. Yeah. It's for the attention seeking or the, the small dose of concern that comes for, you know, that temporary relief right. that comes in that moment. People would say that... That's why. That it was for attention. Maybe not from your brother. Maybe from your ex that you did it for his attention right not because you were in a space that warranted in your brain that response i think after the situation in eighth grade i always knew that i had the capability to do that so there were always other times the capability to do what to harm myself okay i could do things that would affect my well-being right um so it definitely wasn't the first time that i felt you know conflicted or overwhelmed or maybe even thought i don't want to be here and i definitely can identify with how deeply rooted it if maybe you're not necessarily thinking i'm going to hurt myself but if you're battling with dealing with yourself that had been a buildup for some time that uh-huh. necessarily didn't convert over. So let me go do something. Um, can I say that I had random thoughts of what I could do, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough that said when something happened in this moment, you're going to go do that? No. And probably had I felt some more comfort to talk about what I was struggling with, I probably could have been put in a situation for counseling, for some type of support to it, but I had b- just dealt up, built up that I couldn't express it. So, so for people who are um, concerned about their daughters or their mm-hmm. um, sons and nieces and nephews and sisters and brothers, what was something that you think, well, right now you just said, if you had been shown some type of concern, mm-hmm. did you need that open dialogue or would them showing some form of concern had been enough? I can't, cause I can't say that I wasn't shown concern. I think that me expressing concerns with myself or other things that I, I was dealing with mm-hmm. was disregarded. Okay. And it kind of got framed as the, you're a kid, it's going to be fine, you're fine, like... Because that's usually people's, you know, montage when it comes to kids. Like, right. they literally, it's r- repeated over and over again, like, well, you know what? Let me take that back. Not just kids. Adults, adults also. T- talk about They definitely will say, this will pass. It's not forever. And as true as that statement is in the moment, in the crux of it, when you're in it, um, 
you can't see past it. I think there's a certain level of insensitivity to deeming someone um, attention-seeking because I think that it's equating that there's more awareness of that person's self than what they might even have. Okay. I think, um, like I said, I didn't think of myself trying to harm myself in eighth grade. That's not what I deemed those actions to be. Right. But... I know how that could be simply said, well, uh, one plus one equals two. Yeah. If you were doing this and you knew this could happen, that's what you were trying to do. To me, it wasn't. Right. Sincerely, it really wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was not. But can I say that I felt like I didn't care if that happened? For sure. Does Is that, in hindsight, the same thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. But at that age and that time... You can't tell me I'm somewhere that I'm... You didn't connect those, those dots. Those dots don't connect. Right. So the, the aid in the in-between to that, where that could make sense, or even me have to self-check that thought to say, hey, well, I guess I am kind of saying the same thing. Right. Never happened because what I was giving out was being dismissed. Okay. You know, when stuff was being said. So I go from that point to kind of learning from that point and kind of deciding that if nothing else that I took away, that I couldn't function bottling up the way I had been bottling up things. Right. I took that from that moment. You're not, you kind of see what this is, so you can't bottle up. But then being super conflicted because I still had to battle those silences and other things yes to just have to face what i've been afraid of for this whole time because it wasn't good for me and right. i can now see this isn't good for me because okay yeah you, you, you things might have happened with him things might have happened with your mom but really you're struggling with your worth yes that's what's happening here okay so if you can identify that you Keeping that to yourself, you're not even giving yourself a chance to have a support if you're not telling nobody what you're struggling with. Would you say that when you did finally um, voice this, mm -hmm. would you say that it was received how you thought it was going to be received or... Was it received differently? Because, you know, you, you had it in your mind. I'm not going to tell anybody this and I'm not going to talk about these things because of how it's going to be received. I think, was that accurate or no? I think my sister-in-law was a saving grace to the expectation that I didn't expect to be received so well. Okay. And being loved on the way she chose to. Uh-huh made me feel so important that yeah. I had to deal with being vocal because she made such an open arm for it. Right. That I wasn't going to, I couldn't go to after, and especially after that. Right. Oh, I wasn't going 24 hours and not talking to her. Oh, you, right. you not talking? Oh, I, she gonna pull up. Right. She'll be there. Right. You want some ice cream? Right. You want to go get some? I'll be back. I'll bring it. You don't want to go? Cool. I'll be back. I'm going to go get some ice cream. Right. For us. It, it was, it, it poured into me a way that made me feel so 
important mm-hmm. to her, you know, that she made literal that idea, call me if you need me without me having to call. Right. If she could identify that I was struggling, she was showing up. And being loved that way while trying to deal with that was important for me to be able to deal with my part that I needed to do. Okay. So being where you were, do you feel that at that time, um, how you felt, how you felt, how you, um, were processing everything you were going through was not received as if it was a category F, you know, like some people are just like, so you dealing with a guy it ain't going well. Right. Your relationship with your mom ain't the best. What do you do? Right. I literally hear this every day. All right. my friends are going through this. You are no... Different. Different. You're not... Nothing special. Why is it that you're processing this so differently? And, and, and you processing it, your decision was, let me uh, drink this and take these pills. Do you feel like people came to you saying... That was, that wasn't an even exchange. It wasn't necessary. I still don't, I still think I was functioning in that segregation. So I wouldn't have had to have that conversation with a lot of people. Okay. Of what that was. Um, for the people that I began to have to have that conversation with, um, I think that's the struggle period that, you find yourself always having to prove. And a lot of times I couldn't deal with dealing with myself and how okay I was with myself because I was trying to not look a certain way mm-hmm. more so than not. And that's before it having to be, that's before it having to be um, told what was happening or what was going on. I started learning after that point and dealing with myself that I had to be it, it was tough to deal with myself because I think people think you're more in control than you may be to what you're dealing with. Right. Like, I think it's a perception like, oh, you're doing this because I'm, when you've built habits or you haven't built habits or you have poor habits, right. I think it's not always understood. And I think we live in this space where it gets very um, insensitive that, on the outside in, someone thinks that they be- can become authorities on how you should... See, it's a difference between an opinion, because everybody can have that. But when you start treating someone different, or right. functioning different, or being, you know, giving them venom because you think they should do something different, right? I that's where it becomes a problem. And from that point forward, you know, when I became a mom... I feel like I made a decision and then that I had to, I had to deal with how I handled things. That was a conversation I had to have with myself. I have to, because I take this role really seriously. So I'm not going to that space again. Right. Until I found myself post child number two. And I was like, so I know we had this conversation. We're not going to that place again. But this is tough. It's looking very familiar Ooh. over here. And 
I like to call myself, I, I consider myself to myself a suicide survivor. And for someone, and as I mentioned in another episode, when I experienced losing my cousin to suicide, when I experienced um, losing what I would consider my younger brother, my best friend's brother to suicide, it was startling to me to be able to say, here this is live in person, and this is something you struggle with. And I walked around during that time with a lot of perceptions of, even in those relationships, you know, I remember being really excited that my cousin was preparing to go to college. And I was really excited, like, oh, that's going to be so dope. And, you know, she's younger and she's going to be at the place and we can, like, connect. And um, always having this idea to reach out to my younger brother and, like, oh, man, I'm I'll, I'm going to do these things. And having that robbed, it was so hard to deal with seeing that in that up close and personal. It was hard to, it kind of, like, lifted a Band-Aid off, you know, a wound that was, you know, healed, but I guess sensitive. It pulled a Band-Aid off of something that was, super close to home that I had to deal with and address. And I remember having a conversation with my mom, like, I don't think you guys get how tough it is to not go into the space that I decided was a space before. Like that's active work. I actively have to deal with myself a certain way. I actively have to deal with my emotions a certain way to not go to this space that I know isn't good for myself so I have to face that and then having to see suicide so close and it pro these feelings that I have it you know I became obsessed when my cousin passed I I stalked her social media I stalked her words I spent hours just going through stuff like what was she saying that was saying it and she was saying it and it was all there And I feel so empathetic to this day and age and this youth because I take even more critically what they express because at the time that I decided this is how I felt and this is how I was going to deal with it, I didn't have as much access as these kids do to things. Absolutely. I didn't see as much even about suicide. Like, I knew it existed, but I wasn't... It was definitely a hush-hush taboo type of thing. Yeah. It was like... You heard about uh, Lisa's daughter, right? Right. And and it it was never, dang, I feel so sorry for that baby. What no. was she going through? Like now, you know, with all the different movements and the different um, studies and the, right. the different doctors and the different questions that everybody asks about everything where it's not taboo, this is an ongoing dialogue that everybody feels like needs to happen. It's expressed it's um studied and researched and looked into and there's a a constant uh it's okay you're not okay yes but that's not what it was before and i mean because i've known uh, with my job and with people that i've gone to school with and i've grown up with people who have struggled with depression and Mm -hmm. suicide and 
it's always the same. They always say they feel like they're alone. And mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's because um, the people that they have around them don't know how to function in their life that way. Right. One, shame because they're not expressing that they feel that way. Mm-hmm. But two, you hear a lot of people talk about um, suicide or people who aren't dealing well with whatever's going on in life and you feel them being talked down about and it doesn't make the conversation comfortable for you to have in that room. Right. You're kind of like, oh, so I see how they feel about it. I'm not going to talk about it. Absolutely. Because now I'm going to become part of that dialogue that they have of this person was just seeking attention. I, I've literally seen people say and heard people say, and, and when I say seen, I meant like on social media platforms where people say if they wanted to commit suicide, they just do it. They wouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fact. No. Most people talk about it before they do it because they do want help. Mm-hmm. Because they don't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. They, they're grasping for straws. And when they don't have anybody to, you know, reach out to them, they're like, okay, well, I guess I am right. It would be easier if I wasn't here. Like, we joke about it. Um, and I do think there's a certain level of attention seeking that can come when people are choosing to not be authentic to what they feel. Absolutely. absolutely. But I do think when we say... We kind of joke and make fun of the idea of someone like crying on social media or um, having a breakdown. Yeah, or they you put all your business out here on your status and said this and that. A lot of times we undervalue that them doing that was to not hold it in. Correct. And what what it would have done if they kept it in. It's not that they were really looking for your like per se is that they could not keep that in their head. And when it comes to children, because this is a social media era, mm-hmm. when you see kids, uh, there there can be kids who are putting things out for attention. That is very true. Right. Just like there can be adults that put things out there for attention. But my theory is always this. Do you want to find out which one it is? Right. Because a lot of people, like me, I'd rather pour into you mm-hmm. and it was just you seeking attention mm-hmm. than for me to not pour into you. And then the next thing I see is everybody on your page saying, RIP, this can't be real. Right. I can't believe this is happening. Oh, you really did that. I wish you would have talked to me. Yep. And it's always an onpour of shoulda, woulda, couldas. Right. But when the person was telling you that they're struggling. Yep. And everybody's telling you this too shall pass. Or they're telling you, um, girl, you just got to dig deeper. You got to push harder. And and if that could be very true. Right. That does not take from the place that they're at. Mm-hmm. Especially at such young, confused ages that what they're dealing with now sometimes can supersede what we were dealing with when we were younger because of how heavy the world weighs on uh popularity and uh features and and how you features meaning like what your face looks like which is why you know this plastic surgery is such Mm -hmm. a big thing or um if you're overweight or if you're not 
wealthy and you can't afford the new Jays. You know, that type of idea that the world functions that way is so ingrained and drilled in the kids that we that are functioning now that it's kind of like how you were saying you didn't know your worth and your worth was being gauged differently than how these kids these days right look at their worth they're thinking if i don't have the right clothes i'm not worthy if they're thinking if i don't have a booty or the breast or the lips or the long hair or the eyelashes I think, you know, one one thing I heard in having the conversations I've been having with my niece, um, I'm able to hear some of the things that um, is being advised and said to her and why she's still struggling because it's kind of like, well, nobody has themselves all figured out at this point. True enough. But don't ignore what she's saying, where she is. Where, absolutely. Where she, where she's saying she is or that this era of figuring it out is a little tougher for her than maybe what somebody else is carrying. And that's okay. And I think a lot of times and what I had to learn to even advise and give support to her and I recognize for myself is that it took a journey to recognize that um, a lot of times when you are really depressed and sad, it becomes this fleeing chase to not be where you are. Yeah. You just don't want to, you don't want to hold it. You don't want to deal with it. And, you know, if you listen to stuff I share about having to change shifts in my friends and different things, I went through, when going through a lot of these tough spaces after being a mom, I went through all these things of just trying to not make it look like I'm struggling, that I was able to still be the same type of friend and you could still call me and vent to me. Even though I had other stuff going on, I didn't want to not be okay or give off what could look like not being okay or get the judgment of, well, she shouldn't have did this, or if she didn't do this, then she wouldn't be feeling this. And it, you know what? Let me. I, I want to be able to still show up, right, in the rooms that I'm supposed to show up in. And I recognize that this is literally in these like past three years of a journey that the goal isn't to just not feel what you feel; it's to not let what you feel overpower you to where you cannot function and other capabilities and access where you can feel that and not shut down. Right. You can pause, but not give up. You can, and you hear those type of statements, but when you're in it and you're not seeing the perspective and you're not really getting that support to know how to give yourself grace, to know how to forgive yourself right. and not giving the action. And you just kind of be told, ah, it's going to be over. I might know. It's kind of like when you're in a bad relationship, you kind of know that you, you know, but you still not really seeing the steps of just separating yeah. from it. Yeah. So when I'm here and I, and I know I sh- not going to stay here, but I don't really know what it looks like to get to the next stage. Right. I just know I'm not here and I don't want to be here. Um, when I was going through, I, I, I had to battle, with the perception that was being given to me about myself as running, not trying to deal with stuff mm-hmm. versus when it became intentional and I need to get quiet yes. and deal with me. Yes. 
and not wanting people to take me dealing with me personal and battling between, you know, what energy to give and having to be okay that they're going to think it is this. And I guess got to be okay with that. Right. Even though I, that's not what it is. Um, and before Ariel and I, when we talk about in that first episode of this podcast where I was, I was literally not getting out of bed. Like I, I was not getting out of bed, like to get out of bed and, change my son feed him put him back and get back in bed that's it that's about all i had (laughs) and and that was tough right and i didn't get it and that's when anxiety attacks started and i hadn't had that and i was like oh this is like depression on steroids with anxiety because it's an attack it takes over like (sighs) whoa oh that's different and Yes, it is. I couldn't talk. I didn't want to talk about fluff. I couldn't talk about what came on TV last night when I can't get out of bed, you know? Definitely had to be quiet. And I didn't want to deal with someone telling me that I shouldn't be able to get out of bed when I could not get out of bed. Right. Um. And I remember having friends that I was speaking to at that time that hadn't heard from me, that were looking for me, that were reaching out to me, that were trying to find me, taking it very personal, that I wasn't communicating with them. And um, even to people they were reaching out to to find me when it was being explained, and I came back, and I was being advised by my now fiancé, but I was being advised, hey... You know, I know this is where you're at, but maybe you should just tell them where you are. Maybe you maybe you should share what's going on with you. Maybe you should help them understand and kind of referencing to remember that learned lesson of what isolating myself does. I'm like, okay, maybe. And what I got back was startling. (laughs) Like, and what I got back was. Well, if you feeling that depressed, you shouldn't be taking care of your kids. Then somebody needs to have your kids if you that sad. And that's the reason that from childhood you never. I'm just gonna keep it. Yep, just keep it because I'm not, I don't want this to. This is I don't want to do this. This is stupid. I think it takes people sometimes to understand mental health struggles that it has to be isolated as. Depression, suicidal, <laughs> anxiety. If it doesn't fit in those categories, just the struggling of having a hard time figuring it out uh-huh. is such a cloud of misunderstanding yeah. that people start placing their perceptions on what it should be like. And so... And giving it the weight that it should have. Based meaning, to their... Absolutely. Ice. Meaning if you're telling me it's a, it's a, um, a 10 for you, and then you describe to me what your 10 is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, what? That's that's a three for that's me. That's nothing. That's a three for me. You don't get to tell me that it's a three across the, the board. board. Okay. It can definitely be a three for because you. Because your 10 might be my two. Absolutely. Same people. Just different circumstance. And, and you start feeling 
weak and when you're kind of dealing struggling with dealing with yourself that becomes the seed absolutely and then of one of them bamboo <sighs> listen yeah that root digs in deep and you're like i mean i am struggling to get up and do what i'm doing but you don't perceive the strength of that because then someone just helped confirm that struggle then you're not patting yourself on the back saying but you're getting up and you're yeah. doing that. Yeah. You're like, dang. Yeah. And do, and should one person have that type of power? Of course not. But I think what gets understood, if, if I was to tell someone I was raped and I didn't say anything, it would be probably nine out of 10, an overwhelming support. Oh my God. Talk about it. Share your story. You mm-hmm. Because they get to decide what narrative that they're going to support and what narrative they're not. Because that makes sense. If I say I'm having a hard time getting out of bed, you don't get to decide to tell me chin up. Buttercup. Get over it. And give your kids up. Get over it. You don't get to do that. It, it's so unfortunate and so sad. And that's why kids don't voice these things because they get the rebuttal of, you know, um, what you know about struggle. Mm-hmm. You ain't paying no bill. Now, I'm struggling. What what you got to be sad about? I buy your clothes and I do this and do that. And then people forget that at the level that they are at, whatever happens to them, you do not get to disqualify it. And you mm-hmm. do not get to take the value from it that it has. If it has the value of 10 you don't get to come in and say, no, nah, that's probably a strong three. I just love it. And I think I shared through here of how it felt like on certain days when I got reached out to, because at that time, like when I speak of you sending me that sermon you did at the time, you had no clue. No. I would just periodically send you stuff yep. or, or send you a message. Well, hey, I thinking about you. Right. Have and, I heard and from you? she was not responding to me. Yeah. But I just kept sending stuff like, mm-hmm. hey, thinking about you, hope everything's okay. Because I had never um, experienced me not responding. Correct. Mm-hmm. But because I never experienced her responding, um, I knew something was happening. Right. Even I didn't, didn't know, know what. what. I didn't know at what level it was happening or how, if it was a 10 for her or she was just busy. Like I, and then, you know, after a while you're like, okay, this is a little bit more than just busy. I don't know what the hell's going on. So let me just constantly pour into her um that I'm thinking about her and I was going through my journey with my relationship with God at the time that it had just Mm -hmm. started to develop into something and I was like well this is what's been helping me get through what I was going Mm -hmm. through let me share share that maybe she'll get the same thing I got from it maybe she won't I don't know here's what was crazy you were sharing sermons and sermon clips on your page around that time you hadn't shared that one on your page that no. you sent me. And I was like, looking around the room like, what does she know? <laughs> I don't know that she knows. Why? How does she know that this? Oh, he knows. That's oh, what happened. Oh, right, right, right. That's what happened. Um, To bring it off a circle of why I even felt need to share this journey is that um, I'm going to get this out to be able to wrap it up. Hearing my niece say that she felt 
imminently sad and did not know how to stop feeling sad about stopping my heart this past week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, that, to even say it mm. now. And I think for me, it humbled me in a certain way. It humbled what I was, what I, what I'm struggling with today. Yeah. It, it, it grounded me. It, um, I was overwhelmed with empathy, mm-hmm. with understanding, with compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recognized how pivotal it was at that space that I would have never said that. Right. And she did. And I felt such a responsibility to the fact that now that I heard that, I could not unhear that. Absolutely. It, 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 it's, it's never going to go away. It, it doesn't mean that I am the one person in assignment to change that dialogue, but I felt responsible at the point that I had that knowledge of what my contribution was to support her, to encourage her, to uplift her, to pour into her. And I also identify with what it could have felt like at that time had I had that if I had been able to express it myself too. Absolutely. I think I have a compelling compassion to youth. And I wanted to share this from the perspective, like Ariel said, as parents, that it may not always look away. I think sometimes it looks like um, changes and big changes, but um, was I disengaged in school or on and off in grades? Yes. But a lot of times that as well can get dismissed to, oh, they're just growing. They're just being kids. They're just going through things. She lazy. It will change. Yeah, it's going to change. Um, I feel compelled to say this as adults, though, too. I think there is such a perception of what it has to look like. And the times that we're in are so impressionable of what we when we're not in tune with ourselves, what we allow to make us feel worthy or not today. Yes. Um, and we're walking around quantifying what we get to feel due to what's okay. You don't get to have a tough breakup because chin up girl breakups happen. But if you lost a parent, that makes sense. You can grieve about that. And depending on who you're talking to, some people will tell you that... That happens, too. Uh-huh. Right. You'll get that. That happens. That's life. Um, People die. Yeah. I don't get to... Today, you don't get to... Um, if it's called postpartum, then struggling as a parent is okay. But now. Because that wasn't a thing before. Right, you, right. You, you better stop playing and take care of them babies. But if you have gone through job changes, lost your place to live, so other traumatic things, you can't translate that into how you're struggling in parenting too. Chin up, things happen, keep it pushing. And I think being able to have those pause, being able to look at yourself, being able to forgive yourself, being able to not, have to have it look a certain way be it due to um 
what anybody has to say, what you, even if it's you, even if it's you that it's telling you, you're telling yourself it was supposed to go this way. Right. I think it is important to be in tune with those points of what negative seeds can grow into and how we, how, how we talk to ourselves is so important. How, what we give and when we, when you're approaching things with a a glass, um, empty approach to things or when you're being nasty or negative and then you find yourself saying, um, I mean, yeah, I shouldn't have been that way, but the reason I was and blah, blah, blah. I think it doesn't have to look that you get to the point of not wanting to take care of your life or suicide to be a problem. And I think being able to identify that it is okay to struggle and be prone to find solution and support should be advised to anyone. But because that's what my constant um, message to friends and family or whoever I'm talking to, even strangers is it's okay that you're not okay. Yeah. I I think a lot of problem is people don't want to, don't want to not, not be okay yes. because I'm supposed to have it together. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that 98% of the people around you don't got it, don't got it. And they're not okay either, but they're doing the exact same thing you're doing. They're out here pretending. Mm-hmm. And it starts from the age of a kid. Mm-hmm. You see kids, you know, you see those parents talking about, I had no idea that that's how he was feeling. Yep. You have these 10 to 12-year-olds hanging themselves mm-hmm. in their closet. You have them uh, being vocal yep. and verbal. That they're struggling. That they're struggling. And instead of help being found for them, there's a conversation of, you know, cut it out. Yeah. You're looking for attention. I... I don't know how many times I've seen where a parent says, I had no idea he was struggling like that. Like that. that and part. it's like, but you knew he was struggling like this. Cause this is, this is, mm-hmm. you know, he's telling you this right. is happening. The part you're figuring out today is new, but this has been happening. Mm-hmm. And I think as parents, we need to be more cognitive and more aware of what we are and are not allowing our kids to tell us. You want to hear the parts that you want to hear. You're telling your kids to stay in their lane. You're making them uncomfortable to be able to be emotionally available. So then they become emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. You're making it so that they don't feel comfortable coming to talk to you about anything. And they feel like they need to bottle it up and keep it inside. And those children become adults. Yep. And sometimes they don't make it to an adult because they decided they don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And then that carries sometimes, maybe they do make it out, but they took it to college with them. Right. And then if they made it through college with it, they became, you know, an adult in their early twenties with it. And, and, and it doesn't always turn into suicide. It turns into drinking. Yep. It turns into a sex addict. Promiscuous, yeah. It turns into... A liar. 
yeah, things and habits that become coping mechanisms because you've bottled up what you're not going to talk about. And the, and it and then you still don't have to because you tap into these other lanes or it comes into anger and aggression and violence or different things and stealing and whatever that it can turn into. And I encourage, because if you can be accountable for that as an adult with yourself, I think it can translate into how you can give your kids some understanding. Right. But a lot of times as an adult, we're so detached with ourselves that you don't have that to give to your kids because you, you're just kind of spilling that same formula that was given to you. Right. It's going to be okay. Right. And they need more. Absolutely. And we have to be able to understand with ourselves when we need more. And it's a reason that I even started this to say that how proud I was um, of Ariel and my best friend. I tell her all the time when I see her in action growing, like, hey, I'm proud of you because I think we undermine what that can do for someone. And it's not that you're trying to be the savior. And sometimes we are. And that's tough when you're putting everything on the line, trying to prevent something. But just standing in support. And, and being there and if it's nothing but an ear or like you said i do you want to find out you if you think this is attention do you care to find out and at the time i know for where i was and it being an unfamiliar space if my support wasn't beginning to shape up like it was mm-hmm. if i wasn't beginning to deal with myself mm-hmm. of something i was struggling with because imminently I was struggling with being a parent of two kids at that time. Right. To get back, hey, I've been battling wanting to be here every day that maybe you shouldn't have your kids would have taken me out. It could have. Yeah. And I don't think as people we're as careful and intentional with people the way we should be. And if you can extend that to your kids and break the mold of the habit of just what you think it should be and look like it could do wonders. That's my spiel. (laughs) I think this was very necessary. I appreciate you being so vulnerable and, and, um, forthcoming. It was your truth is important for somebody else. Um, so I say thank you. And it explains a lot about you fighting to be here. Right. And why when you say, ooh, it was a struggle. Right. <laughs> that this, the backstory is a struggle because most of these things would have clean took her out. Mm-hmm. And she's using different tools that she didn't have before. Right. And it's never too late. You ain't never too old to add more tools to your tool belt. So I applaud you and thank you for being so honest because this can help help someone else with kids or if they're dealing with it themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't cry. I'm proud of you. I didn't cry either. (laughs) Um, Have we cried? No, we haven't. Hey. But when I just said that about my niece, niece. it almost... It, and it was shaky. It was shaky. <laughs> I, I know it's coming, though. Oh, it's coming. I, I know it's coming. Yeah. That day. <laughs> we're going to pause and record and pause and record and pause and record. And then we're going to say, we took the crying out. <laughs> nah. Definitely edit that out. 
Um, yeah, I'm good. You good? I'm good. All right. I hope you guys got something from this, and we out. Thank you.